The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Due to the ongoing pandemic and to follow social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was pre-recorded over Skype. Hello and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, uh, apparently running the show tonight. I'm not comfortable doing that without, uh, you know, designated adult John Roberts. But uh, here I am, uh, and hopefully uh, our regular, my regular guests or our friend Sue Timberlake uh, will be able hey to <laughs> will be able to to keep me in check. <laughs> that <How> chance. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. How are you, Sue? Oh, you know, it's Thursday. It's almost Friday. Actually, people listen to this on um, Friday night, so yeah. we record, pre-record now because yes. of uh, being an abundance of caution. So, but yeah, it's um, you know another week in away. July. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another week in July. Yeah, it's uh, yeah out, out here near Boston. It's actually quite pleasant today. You know, well, to- it's a little muggy today, but not too bad. Yeah. Well, I guess we're getting a bit of an ocean breeze or something. But uh, yeah, before we get into uh, talking about all the fun and exciting stuff uh, that we have to talk about, uh, I just wanted to mention that we do love to hear from our listeners, uh, and you can reach us by email at civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio is our community there, and at civilpoliticsfm is how you tweet at us if you're on the Twitters. And we do also have our own website, which is quite simply civilpoliticsradio.com. And that's uh, got recordings of pretty much every show we've ever done, except for the ones that got lost due to technical difficulties, some supplemental episodes we've done, and other good stuff like that. You can also find links to things we talk about, uh, like or resources we use, like our uh, the dedicated news search we created using trusted news sources, or links to the Massachusetts Secretary of State's uh, page about elections so you can find out if you're registered to vote and who your representatives are and all that good stuff. So, and before uh, we get into this week, I just want to say, you know, I thought the interview with, with Jody Casper, the Northampton Chief of Police, went really well last week. Yeah, and did you hear the little bit at the end? I don't know if you listened to the recording. You know, we talked after um, we went off the air. Oh, and, and that, uh, John, some of that get get broadcast. <laughs> yeah, it actually is, it's very interesting because it's very you know it's um, without all our usual disguises, and we're just chatting about what she's going to read. And yeah, it was it was very it was very cool. And uh, she's, um, she she's she, very she, she reviewed. Oh yeah, well she reviewed it because I was like, oh, I don't think she agreed to have that on the air and she was fine with it so if you listen to our recording at the end there's we we sign off and if you wait you'll hear a very candid conversation with the police chief so oh, they're telling and, us um, how she's doing a lot of homework to try and do a better job yeah like yeah no she doesn't want anybody to know that they'll think she's a nerd <laughs> well and i'll go and on you know, and... hey chief casper if you're listening you're a nerd <laughs> 
nerd. <laughs> she's, she's a police uh, protocol nerd. She 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 was citing book and verse to us on everything we threw at her. So yeah, that was a, that was a great interview. So, hey, we nerds come good. in many many flavors. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a whole range. So different. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank, yes. Thank God we're different. So. But yeah, that was that was a good one. And um, you probably saw in the paper that the Springfield police got a really bad police report um, that came out, I guess, the end of last week, early this week. And it's just when you compare what Northampton is doing to what they got cited for, it's really something. I mean, it really shows the the difference in how um, things are run. And anyway, it, it really does make a difference, the personnel you have and the uh, agendas they pursue. I, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I think there are, well, I think there are systemic issues still with uh, how policing works in America. And I don't think even Chief Casper can entirely fix those. But, uh, you know, she, I, I, she seems to have uh, the, the right attitude in a way that, uh, well, uh, did you hear that uh, a number of police officers in Minneapolis uh, are applying or are, are filing claims that they have post-traumatic stress disorder because of all the people protesting them murdering George Floyd? No. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting angle. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, I, and a sad one, I think, really. You know? Yeah. I mean, well, if you want to hear, I, we talked about this before we went on the air tonight, but... Um, uh, there's a piece in um, Mass Live, and it's connected to a YouTube um, cut that mm-hmm. came from um, Springfield, where the police commissioner was talking to the city council. And it the the clip is not what you think it is, which is why I'm saying it's funny. When you first hear it, you have to listen to it all the way to the end, or you'll miss what actually happened. It sounds like one thing, and then at the very end, you discover the person was on Zoom. And had no idea what they were saying was going out over the air. It, oh, it, it's, okay. It's, 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 it's the world of Zoom, and it's really embarrassing. I mean, it's, you know, it's not what it appears to be, but it's worth listening to. if You, you can't quite believe what happens on Zoom when people don't realize they're on the air. Okay. So, so it's not like yeah. that, that those citizens calling the uh, police, uh, the commission of police in uh, Los Angeles last month and uh, uh, excoriating the chief of police and the commissioners repeatedly. Well, you might think that's what it is, but it turns out it's not. But it's it's you know you have to listen to it in real time to to get the turn of events. It's very profane, so don't you know if I you have it. small children in the house, don't don't listen to it. But it it's it's so funny. It's just I mean it's not funny because it's kind of horrifying, but it's really funny. No, I I, I yeah. <laughs> Um, World of Zoom. <laughs> uh, yes, like the person who uh, 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 had a day, you know, would run a daycare center in their home, uh, and also had two Siamese cats. And so one time, a prospective client called and is chatting about that, and they said, "I can't leave, you know, my child with you because I can hear children crying in the background." It's like, no, those are my cats. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you know, Siameses, <laughs> they really do sound like kids sometimes. Oh, yeah. They talk to you. Yep. They, they, they whine and talk. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. All the things you don't realize in the world when somebody's listening to your household sounds. So I think we've got all our household sounds off, don't we? 
I hope so. Uh, I hope so too. John Roy will yell at us later when he reviews the uh, the recording. He'd also probably be <laughs> suggesting we get get onto something resembling a a topic in the news. So, oh yes, yes. <laughs> so um, so all right. I'm going to try something a little different because I actually had a thought for once. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to hear that. <laughs> yes, the novelty. I know. Brace yourself. <laughs> I'm sitting down. <laughs> Good. Oh uh, yeah. But um so I've been just been um okay, so th this was particularly sparked by uh the executive order issued by uh Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia uh yesterday uh that sort of reiterated uh and expanded upon uh emergency measures to contain the coronavirus problem. Oh, I heard about this one. Oh. In Georgia, yeah. And uh, so, you know, there's, a, there's a, a lot of it's totally sensible, like, you know, no, close the restaurants. No, you can't have a, a, you know, a big outdoor, you know, indoor pool party kind of thing. You know, sure. But uh, the stuff that was, uh, a, a lot of people call this out, and I did check the text, and it is, in fact, in there. Uh, he the, the governor says everyone is strongly encouraged to wear masks when out in public, but it's not mandatory. It's not a misdemeanor offense if you don't do it. And you mean unenforceable? <laughs> yes. And, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the city of Atlanta, the mayor's office had issued uh, a, a, an order that everyone had to wear a mask. It was mandatory in Atlanta. And the governor. Oh, because they're having a tough time. No, well, the 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 mayor herself has yeah has, has it. Yeah, but uh, Governor Kemp uh, explicitly countermanded that, and and any other local municipal uh, ordinances like that. In Georgia, what so. drum? What drum are these folks marching to? You know, it's it's sometimes it's very hard to understand why they're doing that. I don't think it really gets them points with their constituents. It, it, you know what? I, I just find it confounding why they would do that and say, well, you can't really enforce it. I mean, in this time, in this place, with this pandemic, I, um, why, I, why wouldn't you enforce that? I, I really don't understand it either. I, I, yeah. I, I very much agree. Um, it's, well, the the I I don't want to sort of get off into uh, 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 a, a sidetrack here. So the 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 thing that I'm gonna uh, that, that struck me about the executive order is that um, it said you don't have to, you know, no one can require you to wear a mask, but uh, no restrictions can be made on uh, or you know. Uh, uh, People's rights to uh, buy guns and ammunition should not be impeded at all. So those stores have to stay open. Is that what you're saying? I I think yeah. so. Maybe I yeah. I'm not an expert on, and I may be wrong about that. But certainly, he says cer certainly the order does specify that people have to be able to buy guns and ammo. So you know maybe maybe there can't be any local regulations forcing stores to close. They can still close if they want to. I I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't. I didn't look over the list of businesses that are considered uh, essential. Uh, essential. According to Georgia, it, it was a, a, a long 
you know, it was a 40 page document and, Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Well, and unfortunately, the PDF I got isn't searchable. Like, apparently, it's just an image and not actually text. So I couldn't find, uh, sort through it very easily. So All those special stores that you like to see open. <laughs> um, I, I well, can you get know, my comics that... mail order. That's fine. <laughs> but Yeah, the um, Massachusetts did something like that, or at least somebody told me that. Now, you, you're probably going to critique this, but it was just a funny a funny little place did, where you the liquor stores were open, right? In Massachusetts, they, they were among the essentials. I, they were I, open since the beginning. I believe and then, we call them package stores here, don't we? Yes, we do call them package stores. Never and, understood why, but okay. Because <laughs> you have to keep that package, you know, in a brown paper bag. Um, uh, oh, okay. And, and the person who pointed this out to me said, but nonprofits and community meetings like AA are prohibited. And they oh. said, what's the logic in that? And I thought, you know, that's really true. I'm sure that people met anyway, but, you know, in small groups or whatever. But it was just, you know, officially, you know, the package stores were open and the AA was not allowed to meet. So it's sometimes it's very, government can work in mysterious ways. But God, I, I feel bad for the folks in Atlanta because, you know, they, they're really trying really hard to like move out of this. It's a very cosmopolitan city and you know, the governor of Georgia, I mean, he should be, he should oh. be ashamed of himself. So, Hang or censured like you just did. Hang on a sec. Sorry. I didn't realize that, uh, the phone was, hang on a sec. Hello? You're going to clap. So, so, um, Jonah has it. Uh, it's just a spam call. Yeah. Let me see if I can try and plugging it this way. Does that help? Maybe that helps. All right. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> so, uh, the heck were you saying? So I just clapped. So I just clapped so that John can find that. Right. But, but I mean, you might want to clap, clap to come back or whatever well, you guys do. You were talking. So what were you saying? I was just saying, um, you know, in Georgia, Atlanta is a very um, cosmopolitan, progressive city and, um, you know, very, very advanced and sophisticated. And to have the governor of Georgia do that to them, you know, in particular, I mean, it, it's really bad on all the folks in Georgia, but Atlanta especially. And, you know, that's a major um, thorough fair you know a lot of the airlines that's their hub is atlanta so it's too bad it's too bad that he's governor maybe they'll get a new governor well so the reason i, I mentioned that is it's uh and and the thought i had you're still sitting down right yes <laughs> okay all right but just um because one of the the comments i saw uh because you know i i I first saw this on, on, on Twitter and people were sort of sounding off about it. And I was struck by, uh, there were some people who were saying, yes, good on you, Governor Kemp. And one of them said very pithily, the government is here to protect my rights, not my health. And wow. I, you know, and I'm like, huh. and they are in, in conflict in that person's mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, so uh, 
you know, I'm, 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 you know, a big old lefty and I, I like uncle sugar taking care of a whole bunch of things <laughs> for me because I don't know, uh, anything about, uh, emergency management or waste disposal or, uh, or managing an electrical grid or, you know, keeping the roads paved and all that other stuff. Uh, so, you know, and, and running a national weather service and yada, yada, yada. So I'm very happy to have the government handle all kinds of things that aren't technically, you know, spelled out in the constitution or whatever. And that, uh, you know, could you know everyone, but the fringe of my rights a bit. Everyone that you just listed, except for the weather service, those are private companies usually. But okay, I got your point. I'm well, just pushing back a little bit. Well, e even if they hire private companies to pave the roads, it is nevertheless still being contracted by a central authority. Yes, you know. and hopefully they ha they know enough to inspect what the private companies did and make well, sure it's right. But yes, well, I certainly don't know what to look for when it comes to inspecting, you know, how well a road has been surfaced. I mean, you know, if it's smooth when I drive down and I'm like, oh, that's good. But, you know, it's like, oh, but this is going to crack in the winter and it won't last more than three years. So, you know, I have no idea if that's true or not. I certainly don't know anything about inspecting bridges. When I lived in a small town in Eastern Mass, um, the, uh, the folks in the government the you know the town government they had to go out and oversee the folks that were doing the paving work and all that and mm -hmm. when um one of the utility companies would come through and dig up the road there's this requirement that you do what's called a six inch lift which sounds kind of strange but it's basically you have to put dirt in and then pack it every six inches so if it's an eight foot hole you do it like 16 times because right. you every six inches you have to pack it it's the that only way that you don't get frost heaves so the guys in the government would spend all day chasing around all the utility companies because they wouldn't tell them where they were and where they were going next. So the, the three guys in the in the government would spend all day trying to figure out where they were and trying to make sure they did six inch lifts, among other things that they were supposed to be doing. You know, it's sort of like inspecting your house while the wall is still open. But, sure. you know, the carpenter's trying to cover it up before you can look. So I just thought that was the funniest scenario to see, to see the, you know, the you know, the engineer, the town engineer is running around trying to make sure the utility companies were doing the right thing. And they often made them redo it, but that's a lot of work for government sure, to do yeah, that. Absolutely. It absolutely is. And, and to do it well is almost impossible. I think sometimes, especially like in a city like Boston, I can't imagine, Sure. you know, making sure all the elevator inspectors are doing the right thing and all that oh, yeah. stuff. And, and, yeah. you know, to be fair, uh, opening, uh, being involved in opening a restaurant as I have been recently, you know, there were moments where it's like, okay, well, the health inspector says this and the building inspector says that, and there's a state inspector that has to be satisfied and a fire inspector. And uh, th there were, yep. you know, I understand why all of those things were needed and I support them because I very much want uh, my investment and my customers to be safe. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, don't want it to burn down the second day. Right. We don't want it to burn down. We don't want to poison anybody or, you know, all that other stuff. We don't want to electrocute anyone. Um, but at the same time, you know, there were moments where it's like, what do you mean? You know, like the fire inspector looked at this and he said, that's up to code. It's like, well, I don't think it's up to code. It's like, you know, 
So, and it is a uniform code, so it should be the same spec. Right. <laughs> you would hope. One would hope. So in healthcare, it isn't all the same spec, by the way. Sure. Well, and and because well, because there are different requirements, you know, for the ICU than for you know the the waiting room. But the, I just I meant Medicare versus DPH versus JCHO, the accrediting oh. and inspecting agencies. Yeah, one likes check boxes, the other one prohibits them. <laughs> no stuff like that. It's it's tough. It's tough because they're all you know individual orgs organizations. So yeah, it's but we get very complicated very fast sometimes. Right, and uh, you know we've had discussions uh, on this show before about. Uh, the pervasiveness or uh, uh, proper extent of, of government regulations. And I'm, I'm just, so as someone who is, uh, has concerns about, uh, you know, you've expressed concerns about, you know. Vaccines, uh, yeah. Yeah, about yeah. vaccines, about requiring people to get yeah. vaccinations because, uh, you know, and if I'm mischaracterizing this, please correct me. But I, in a nutshell, it was because you're like, you know, I'm not sure that all of the guidelines are, are carefully thought out and implemented such that people, some people who can't safely use vaccines are still, would nevertheless still be required to get them, which would be bad for them. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's I'm, kind of it. But it's, I also don't like motorcycle helmets. <laughs> um, and, you know, people always make the argument, but the insurance will go up, you know, and it's like, okay, where do your rights end and mine begin? You know, and that's kind of what those folks are saying about the masks, right? That's that's sort of where they're drawing a different line than the most most of the rest of us. That they're saying, you know, what do you do to be a good member of society versus where do your rights end? And uh, we, we've had a few discussions about, yeah, because you and I are very different on that. But we probably agree on masks in the same way, but well, especially in this case. Well, and p part of this... You know, this actually, here's a bit of, of personal values that I don't think we've ever actually spe specifically touched upon um, or, or, or orienting philosophy or however to put it. But for me, I think, yes, it is important for uh, our government, which, to which we give a lot of power, uh, respect the, the rights and autonomy of us as individuals. Uh, but at the same time, uh, uh, it needs to keep uh, us safe from all kinds of dangers that uh, threaten us, like COVID-19 or like foodborne illness outbreaks because there isn't enough, aren't being proper safety inspections or the kitchens aren't clean or whatever. And yeah. to, to me, the, the underlying ethos is not, I am an individual standing firmly against the world. It's like, no, I'm, I'm part of a community. I'm part of a society and we're all in this together. And the, over, my, the overriding concern, the overriding question uh, in my mind isn't what's in it for me, but uh, what's, what do other people need or what, what do, what's best for all of us? Well, do you remember when Governor, um, Mayor of New York, uh, Bloomberg banned the 44 ounce cup. Uh, you know, for the sugary drinks, oh, the big, yeah, yeah, big, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the big, big gulp. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That 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 struck me as silly, but <laughs> but did, yeah. Did you find that was too far? I mean, I, it probably made a difference. I honestly have no idea There's if it some... made a difference. I did think it was too far. Yes, but yeah. So we can agree on that one. Sure. <laughs> but but you know that's the kind of I mean I, that's how I think, I think about we, it anyway is I think when, we both when, agree that it's that there are some impositions on on your freedom to make decisions about your life that government can and should make and that there are other impositions that are just an unacceptable breach of our liberties and the differences between you and I are where we draw the line. Well, and I, I often look to examples like airbags when they forced the car companies to put in airbags. They probably saved a lot of lives, but they set them for a guy that's, you know, your size. And so they kill women in the front seat. Mm. And it's like, oh, maybe, you know, what if the government said you, you have to leave it on? And yet, and they, they've made them now so you can turn off the airbag just for that very reason. But you know, it's sort of like that kind of a, I, I trust people to make their own judgments, which is, you know, I've gone around with quite a few people related to our show about, you know, are people basically really smart and, and act in their self-interest or does government have to intervene because people are, you know, have no common sense? Well, and you guys always joke about, well, there's a guy in Florida and, you know, <laughs> Florida That's man. The, <laughs> it's a Florida man, yeah. But it, you know, it's sort of an interesting thing because I really do trust in my own judgment and prefer to use my own judgment. So, and, you know, government often has something to say about that, like whether something's tax deductible or not, you know. That's and, true. Um, I, I, you know, I probably should always ask the, C actually, I always ask my CPA, but, you know, that kind of, belief about who we are because Americans are so individualistic. I mean, we really, that's part of our strength is that we, you know, people go ahead and wire their own houses and plumb their own houses. And a lot of the building codes allow for that as long as you have somebody else look at it. And yeah. that's not true everywhere. You know, that's a Massachusetts thing. Well, I know, I'm, but that, um, go ahead. Um, it just, you know, it's sort of that we <sighs> How do, how do you judge that? And are the rules that are true right now because of the pandemic that I wouldn't normally agree with? I think so. I think so. You know, and that makes it situational, rel relativistic, you know, sort of morals based on sort of circumstances. Like I consider this virus very dangerous, which I didn't at first. I didn't know how dangerous it was. It really is SARS-2, and um, which is what they call it because it's yeah. sudden respiratory acute respiratory failure. Uh -huh. um, but I, you know, I, I have different rules for that, whereas I don't think all the restrictions on flu are required. I know they do that, you know, like the hospital makes me get a flu shot and I'd rather wear a mask, which is fine with them. But because I, the risk from my perspective of getting the flu, I'd prefer to get the flu every year because I think it does wonders for my immune system and you know a little bit of pain for two days but you know working in a hospital they they have the right to have other requirements on me and people are especially when i worked at the cancer center you know especially then do you want to make sure nobody gets the flu in the staff so i you know it's a funny i think you have to look at the particulars but how do you write policy well the governor of georgia should have you know let them restrict people who don't wear masks 
in this climate. But right. it's a tough one because a lot of people don't believe that this is a dangerous virus. So, yeah, so that's, that's part of the problem. And the whole idea of like, well, common sense, uh, common sense measures uh, sound great, but uh, I think very few people are uh, willing to concede that their common sense might not be worth very much. Um, I think if there's there any way, is a curve, there is a bell curve. You're right. <laughs> I think if there's a way in which uh, I might be unusual, it's that I am willing to concede. You know, I'm not sure I understand how this works. So, what do the experts say? Uh, okay, yeah. you know, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's not unusual at all. But uh, we got to take a break in a moment. But you mentioning uh, uh, airbags. Uh, a couple of minutes ago was at the start of this, yeah. this, this, this point you were making, which I think is a good point. Um, it reminds me of uh, something I saw. I might've been on YouTube. I can't remember exactly, but it was a, a, a good point. Uh, an interesting observation that uh, there are different requirements for uh, the design of cars and especially with regards to automobile safety uh, between uh, countries, you know, what they require in Germany, uh, in the example in the uh, article I was looking at was, is different from what they require in the United States, and especially when it comes to airbags. And in Germany, the airbags are, they require, are much smaller than the ones they require in the United States. And That's because we're so big. <laughs> no, it's because in Germany, uh, Everybody wears a seatbelt, and uh, the German automotive safety people just were able to like, well, of course, everyone's going to be wearing a seatbelt, so that's going to constrain exactly where they're going to be, so the airbag only needs to cover this area, because that's where people's uh, hands will be yeah. when there's a crash because of the seatbelt. So there's two levels. Yeah, very and, interesting. And in America, lots of people don't wear seatbelts. Depends and on the so, state, too. Right, and yeah. so uh, the uh, uh, the automakers in this country have to make bigger airbags because the presumption it, they can't presume that someone will be in a seatbelt and that their range of motion will be constrained thereby, and so you know they need a bigger bag to catch somebody's head. Yeah. So we actually, this is a good moment for. And us you're to breaking our, up a little bit. Well, this is a good moment for us to take our, our halfway through the show break. So we're going to do that, play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs. And then we'll be back with more civil politics in just a couple of minutes. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized and orderly, and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. 
For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's Subculture Music Program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. I'm still talking with Sue Timberlake. And we're talking today, I guess, about whether or not uh, the purpose of government is primarily to protect your rights or to protect your health or, uh, I guess, otherwise to provide for the common good, uh, to promote the general welfare, I believe, is the, the ringing <laughs> I think phrase of the founders. Uh, yeah, I was going to say you're quoting somebody there. <laughs> well, um, I was going to so- come... Well, I just, I just wanted to say, so to me, I think uh, it's, it's important to recognize, I'm sorry, I want to start that again. I think it's important to recognize that the tension between rights and health, uh, well, in a, in a moment like this looks, is, is really highly charged and can look really silly uh, but I think it's also just in general worth remembering that um, health, you know, well, the way some people talk, think about it, health is a human right. And it's really hard to enjoy a lot of other kinds of rights if you aren't healthy. And I, I think a lot of people, uh, when they talk about the importance of, of their rights or respecting their liberty, what they're really coming down to is they don't like other people telling them what to do and especially how to spend their money. And hey, <laughs> yeah. And economic liberty, financial independence is certainly important and valuable. And I, you know, appreciate it, you know, but at the same time, uh, as I think I might've mentioned once or twice on the show, uh, you know, there are, you know, uh, it doesn't matter how much money you have if you get a terminal disease and it kills you. So uh, that, that I think, is an important counterbalancing consideration. Um, and, and Definitely were, constraint. <laughs> yeah. And, and the difference between wearing a mask uh, for COVID-19 and wearing a motorcycle helmet is that... Uh, the person, the, like you're threatening your own health by not wearing the helmet, but you're threatening my health by not wearing the mask. But. That's exactly right. And some people who, you know, some of the more progressive folks say, but not wearing a helmet drives up insurance costs, and that affects me. So I don't, I don't really buy that argument, but I, I appreciate you making the differentiation because I think that's an important one. Um, so, so one of the things, you know, you and I fight over vaccines all the time, and I'm, I just want to say, well, not I'm not an anti vaxxer Occasionally. Yes, I know. You're sometimes, not an anti vaxxer yeah. <laughs> yeah, but my argument is that sometimes, you know, once the drug companies invested all this money in the vaccine, they, they then lobby to make sure it's mandated, even if the risk of the disease may not be um, that it should be, everybody should be vaccinated. And how do you judge what the risk is? I think it depends on who you 
believe, too. So one of the things that's sort of happening is if the folks in Georgia really don't believe this is dangerous, you know, notwithstanding all the people that are dying and being affected by it, you know, if you really don't believe your government or the government's telling you something that's wrong, you know, you can see where there's really, you know, you really come up with a discretion. You know, if you don't agree to the facts, then it's very hard to agree on what should be done. And right now, um, didn't you tell me something about the CDC or something? And um, Oh, yes, human right. Services? Which even has an Atlanta yeah. connection, yes. Um, yeah. Yes, apparently. Oh, wait, they're in- yeah, yeah, their main headquarters is in Atlanta. The Atlanta, yes. Apparently, the uh, Trump administration has instructed hospitals not to share their, you know, not to report their the stuff they report to the Centers for Disease Control anymore. At, at least it's with just outrageous. To, yeah, at least with regards to COVID nineteen, and it might be about everything. I'm not sure. I didn't think to check that that distinction. But uh, yes, the Centers for Disease Control has long been sort of the public health statistics clearinghouse. Uh, for the nation, and uh, the and a lot of researchers use that data. Right. A lot of researchers use it because it's published. It's it's available. It's open. Right. Yeah. And so there's a new system that's been set up through by a private contractor on behalf of Health and Human Services, and supposedly the hospitals have to use that uh, system now. Uh, it's supposed to be faster, but. Uh, even if it is entirely above board and the information will be shared freely and not suppressed or altered to suit the, uh, the whims of the president, uh, which I unfortunately can't just sort of assume will be the case. Uh, it may be the case, but I just, I don't think it's, it can be the, 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 the given that it would have been even under say Ronald Reagan. So, even if it's, it is entirely above board and uh, uh, will be reported publicly and freely and everything, um, when there's a break in, in data continuity, uh, that can create problems. People have been using the CDC to collect their data to do analyses of American public health for a long time. And suddenly yeah. stopping that could wind up creating all kinds of of hard to see but real problems in understanding not just how COVID-19 is is playing out here in the U.S., but other diseases as well. Yep, it may not be comparable. Yeah. You know, back across this, 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 it's like when they changed the calculation for unemployment and all that. I mean, it's not the same. They dropped some, and it was political. That was a political move, and that changed. I mean, there were some things that were buried in that. So oh, yeah. I, I hear your suspicion that, in fact, especially with Azar, isn't he a drug? He's from a um, pharmaceutical. He was CEO of a pharmaceutical company. Yes, They're not and, the most transparent. Well, <laughs> and, the, and, the opposite. Right. And, to, and again, uh, I, I, I actually don't know that much about the man, so I don't want to be unfair, but... Uh, at this point, the simple fact that he was appointed by Donald Trump to his office makes him intent, deeply suspect, in my view. Just like that's just yeah. inevitable because yeah. all these other people uh, Trump appointed were corrupt and/or incompetent. So, I mean, or he made them make 
promises. He 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 extracted something. He he asked for loyalty in certain arenas. So yeah, you you do have the feeling that there's a little bias in the current administration. Yeah. Oh, that 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 does remind me. Uh, so as someone who's interested in uh, you know in politics and follows the the you know the uh, the infighting and the, the the what's going on in the Republican Party. Uh, and you're interested in how politicians enforce loyalty and use their power on a personal level. Uh, how do you feel about the the downfall of Jeff Sessions? Oh, <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> yeah, like like um, he's an interesting character. I I never cared for him yeah. until I saw um, the the person who does him on Saturday Night Live like a little possum, Kate and then I yeah. I. Yeah, I find him more endearing now that he's been caricatured by. But, you know, the guy stood up and said, I must recuse myself. And I was I was glad he did that. I, I couldn't I believe too. he held it. Yeah, I, I am. too. And, Honestly, you know, I, I was expecting him to just be a partisan hack who pursued a, a, a vicious, racist, racist agenda. And uh, he was not a partisan hack. <laughs> On that topic, yes. Yeah. Well, and and um, uh, I heard some vignette on C-SPAN or somewhere, my usual listening, where they were talking about a lot of the stuff. Um, the um, Miller fellow that Trump holds so close to him, Stephen Miller, oh, he yeah. actually was. He was a Sessions find. He was he was involved with Jeff Sessions, and that's how he found his way into the White House. He's actually an old colleague and friend of Jeff Sessions, so. It kind of speaks to he could have been much more um, corrupt than he was, Jeff yeah. Sessions. You know, it's sort of interesting that I didn't know a lot of the Trump agendas actually came from um, Alabama and Jeff Sessions. So yeah. it it it's you know as that's revealed, but he's he went down in flames. So it's going to be Doug Jones versus the guy that beat Jeff Sessions, right? I think that's the the, the race that Trump wanted to back. Yeah. 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 So we'll see. I don't know if I don't. Do you have any sense whether Doug Jones can hold on to that seat or have you thought about it? Because when he got elected, it was sort of a, you know, a it couple was, of cards bounced the right way. It was a repudiation of uh, suspected pedophile Judge Roy Moore, um, yeah. who, who also had a long history of uh, incompetence and stupidity as a justice in the Alabama state court system. Uh, you know, I I don't think uh, the odds are great for the Democrats for for uh, uh, in Alabama yeah in Alabama for uh, Doug Jones to pull it out. But um, I think if there is a year in which he can do so, it will be 2020, just because the tides are turning so strongly against President Trump and the Republicans across the nation. Now, whether or not that they will do so in Alabama, you know, I've never even been to Alabama. So, you know, it's it's easy for me as a stuck-up Massachusetts Yankee to make jokes about Alabama. <laughs> but, I mean, the truth is I don't really know the state and I don't really know the people. Yeah. So I'm I'm reluctant to to characterize them uh, or, or what they're One doing or what, the other. what they're thinking. Yeah, I, I just, you know, like I I, I know it's it's much more – you know, Republican partisan than Massachusetts. And there are going to be some differences of opinion uh, between myself and a lot of people there, I imagine. But, 
yeah, I just don't feel yeah. comfortable uh, commenting. It's, the The polling data I've I've seen has been, you know, they basically marked it as like, well, we don't really know, but yeah. You know, uh, well, I I saw a piece, and I of course I'm drawing a. Sorry, I, and I haven't seen any polling since um, the fellow who won the Republican primary won the Republican primary. So, yeah, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, so forgive me. Um, well, the one thing I saw was that they were showing that Doug Jones could was doing well among the black vote, and if ever there was a year that there'd be turnout, that that might, you know, I don't know how close it is, but they were saying that that would be the that would be the thing that turned the election back to Doug Jones would be the. Um, well, and of course, one of the one of the things that uh, uh, the left wingers like me have been complaining about is the extent to which uh, the Republican Party has been using the coronavirus crisis to uh, try and curtail people's voting rights by refusing to allow people to vote absentee uh, or by mail and uh, shutting polling places uh, for election day so that it's very hard for people to go and vote and dangerous for them to go and vote. And uh, it's, so it's entirely possible that even though Mr. Jones might be polling very well with African-American or black voters in, in Alabama, uh, many of those voters may be prevented from actually casting a ballot. So that may not matter. Yeah, especially with all the law changes at the federal, the Supreme Court level. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the voter um, protections are gone. So um, is Massachusetts, we're going to, they, didn't they just change it here so we can, um, we can vote absentee no matter what, isn't they going to mail, they're trying to force Galvin to mail ballots to everyone. And I he's, he's resisting because he doesn't have the money he said to do it. Which think, might even I think be I true. Heard that. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't remember if it specifically says that everyone must be mailed a ballot, but everyone can request uh an absentee ballot or a, a mail-in ballot uh, without having to give any reason now. Uh, even before that, the, the state had issued guidance. It's like, look, you have to give a reason, but health concerns are a reason. And be, you know, my health concern is I don't want to catch coronavirus at the polling place and die is a valid reason. So it was already yeah. a, a low bar, but now they just, there's no bar. Um, yeah, I think they're forcing him to mail them out, and he's resisting. I think he has to do it. There's some primary somewhere, and I th thought he had to do it within two days, you know, like a day ago. But I may have that a little screwed up. But that's, you know, that's sort of the solution for, you know, right now. It may not be the long-term solution. But or arguably, I'm, it I'm, is a, a long-term solution. I mean, uh, Australia has... Uh, People can vote by mail, and it's actually mandatory. You are required to vote in elections in Australia, and if you really yeah, you don't get want to, fine. yeah, that's a fine. And I don't think it's a huge fine, but it's a fine. You know, I think it's I think it's like like a hundred bucks or something Australian. So yeah. it's it's an it's not game changing for most people, but it is a nuisance. And you know, like I would rather have Steve than than uh, uh, Janet as comptroller of the town. So fine. You know, yep. So, or I might have to ask because I don't know how to fill out my ballot. I might have to ask somebody what they know about them. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an interesting time because that is going to be probably one of the big issues, I assume, of the fall, the fall election. It will be just that voter suppression and 
and turnout and who knows what else. Yeah. Well, and, the, and go ahead. And go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, sort of swinging back, you know, that what do you, how much do you trust the government and do you trust what they're telling you? And this country used to be pretty good on that. And uh, I remember when Russia used to be terrible, you know, when I was hiding under my desk as a small child. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I tr I've always been a little suspicious of what the government tells me. But I have to say, I, I read doubly hard now and cross-check things that I get, um, you know, in the mail and see on online. Because it's almost like the facts, the, the hard facts don't seem to exist. It, it's it's a very tough time to sort through what's what's real and what's not real. I think most of us in Western Mass agree that the virus is a bad thing, is a very bad thing. But I think it took a while for people to really come to terms with that and, and actually see what happened in New York and see, you know, see what's happening to neighbors um, for that to happen. You know, people see it with their own eyes. Now they, now they believe it. Well, and, and see how bad things are in Florida and Texas and Arizona. Uh, there's yes. a, there's a, there's a good website that I've been, uh, consulting, uh, called covidactnow.org and they have, uh, they track four different factors to determine, uh, to sort of give their evaluation of how well the, uh, the epidemic is being handled uh, on a state by state basis. And in a larger state like Texas, even this is, uh, I think, overly broad, you know, there's what, like 30 million people in Texas and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a big sprawling state. So what's going on in Houston is not what's going on in Dallas versus what's not going on down, you know, on the, Corpus Christi. Yeah, exactly. But, um, the four factors they, they check are, uh, uh, the rate of infection, uh, so how, how many people, if someone has it, how many other people they infect, uh, the, the number, the, the rate at which when people are tested, they test positive, uh, the amount of, uh, uh how many, uh, the percentage of their ICU capacity that is open and available to handle a surge in cases and the amount of contact tracing they're able to do within 48 hours of someone testing positive so that they can uh, track down the disease. And on three of those four criteria, for example, Massachusetts is doing very well. Like uh, we, uh, they, they estimate that uh, only about 7% uh, of the uh, ICU capacity that we, you know, that, like there are people in the ICU right now who are sick with things other than COVID. And so the ICU capacity to handle COVID people is only 7% used right now in Massachusetts. So that's great. And oh, so 93% right. available. Right. Yeah. And we, and we have... So that makes... Right. And, and I was like, going to say that makes sense that Mass is doing well. So what right. you're saying is Mass is doing really well. Massachusetts, have, the, the only problem is we have an infection rate that is very slightly above one. So the disease is still sort of spreading growing. progressing yeah. and and i guess growing yeah but uh you know the positive test rate is like two and a half percent they want it below three uh you know and, and so forth whereas you look at texas which i, I just called up here their infection rate is 1.17 cases uh 
per person. So they it's say expanding. that uh, that it rapidly increasing. They only have a they have a 17.1% positive test rate, which means they aren't doing enough tests to really properly grasp the scope of the problem. Uh, they report that 92% of their ICU capacity is used. Uh, is used, so they only have eight left. So the reverse of us. Right. Okay. Right. That yep. Texas has uh, 6,663 ICU beds. 42% are occupied by non-COVID patients. Uh, of the remainder, uh, 300 and so there's uh, uh, less than 100 beds available in the entire state now to deal with uh, wow. the problem. And they've only reporting 6% of cases that are doing contact tracing. So, you know, for all of those yeah. reasons, things are out of control in Texas, and, and we don't really know how bad they are. And that's a big part um, of the who, problem. And I think, so I the, think people don't trust the government when the government isn't seen to be competent. I, I think part of you know, part of why the government used to be more trusted is people were like, well, you know, the, the, the water is safer to drink now. The food is cleaner and tastier to eat now. And we, you know, the government, you know, wired up the home with electricity and now we have running water and that's all great. So, you know, when the government's actually doing things uh, competently that are materially improving your life, it's easy to say, well, all right, I guess the government's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you lived in Flint, how you'd feel about the government. Darn right. And Flint still yeah. doesn't have hasn't, uh, safe drinking water. They, they still haven't fixed the problems there. Yeah, unbelievable. So what are the, what are the best states? Are there, are there states that do better than everybody else? Or the, the two, I assume Mass is up there. but Massachusetts is in the uh, uh, at-risk, uh, oh, uh, the controlled disease growth category, which oh, okay. is, you know, the second best, uh, along with uh, uh, the rest of New England and New York, uh, except uh, uh, on track to contain COVID is Vermont and New Jersey. Oh, that's interesting. Vermont, I would have guessed, but New Jersey, that's, that's pretty diverse, intense, you know, crowded. Yeah. And yet they're, they're, they've, they're beating Massachusetts, you're saying. Well, they've, they've basically. I guess they 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 worked hard to up to address the problem they had and and were successful. So the main difference is uh, their infection rate is 0.82 percent. Oh, so below one. Okay. Yeah. So well for every one. person that has it, less less than one person will get it. Right. So that's but, decreasing. But they're yeah. tracing all the contacts. They're only using. They they have uh, like 84 percent of their ICU space is available to handle a surge and their test positive test rate is 1.3%. So it's just a very different situation for New Jersey, and, uh, you know, which is good. <laughs> yeah. They um, did a good job, but yeah. So and the, then New York did too, but yeah. Well, yeah. and so the Northeast uh, has, you know, we, we were the, the hot spot early, but I think we responded well. Of course, you know, California seemed to be doing a pretty good job of dealing with it, but things are out of control there i mean not not you know hor horribly but you know they're, they're they had to go back right they had to roll it back yeah. right and yeah. didn't washington state was doing better and then they weren't yeah was it washington, washington state or oregon i think no, it's washington, washington state. state yeah they're uh you know they're they're according to uh covid act now they're 
their infection rate is 1.15, uh, and they're only tracing about two thirds of contacts and uh, so forth. So, uh, you know, they could be worse, but they they don't entirely have a have a handle on who's sick and and how how sick and where the cases are and everything. So. Yeah, the number I like to see, which I don't think is on your chart, is um, how long it takes them to turn around. It's called tap turnaround time for a test. Oh yeah, um, that's, that's the, hugely important. Yeah, because if it's two weeks, then they contacted all these other people that you can't necessarily trace. You know, it makes it's very hard if it's not the same day or the next day. Right. And uh, a lot of states aren't. I know, um, what were they saying? I think it was Texas or Arkansas where it's like eight days. And the mayor of, I think the mayor of Atlanta, did she say she was waiting for two weeks and she went somewhere else and got the test? Yeah, and she came back positive before the other test even came back, and her whole family has it. Yeah, and they were being careful, but they weren't. They weren't that careful, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, what a, what a time. And I think we have pretty good testing capability here in Mass. I think I think they really everybody beefed up pretty quickly. So, yeah, because we have good infrastructure. But I don't know. Do you have anybody you know that that has? COVID. I only have some people I know whose like uncle is sick with it, but not locally here. Fortunately, you... fortunately, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's a I'm, good sign. It is, and I'm hoping it stays that way. And I'd love to talk about yeah. it more, but we are actually, I think, a little over time now. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to wrap up. Uh, thank you all for listening to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, stay tuned for a great mix of music, uh, subculture followed by Table of Contents, and then OK Asia. And uh, podcast of the show is going to be on the various streaming services available over the weekend. And we have a repeat broadcast next Monday at 4, so listen to us again. And that'll do it for now. Thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.